Welcome back to the podcast and welcome to this week's episode. It's the third in our series, The Keys to Innovation. And today we are going to talk about outside support. So lots of good info. Grab a pen and paper as always. And I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to Food Safety University. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you. Every week we cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. So grab a pen and paper because every week you're gonna need it. See you on the inside. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am super excited that you are here. We have been having a great deal of fun talking about innovation around here because if you really think about the CPG space, it is it is all about innovation uh, right now. So last week we talked about uh, um, last week we talked about like how to resource yourself for innovation because innovation is an inside job. It is a way that you can that that you resource yourself, you get support, and you add the element of time, and you can create. Um, whatever it is that you want, okay? That's really, you know, a lot of what innovation is. We're all being very innovative in this space. We're solving problems people haven't had to solve um, in a very long time. You know, nobody, or, or really if ever, I mean, we've never seen this level of consolidation in food manufacturing. This is a thoroughly modern phenomenon and, feeding ourselves, creating resilient communities, creating national security through food security uh, is, is something we are taking on because we choose to. And nobody's ever really tried to solve these problems before. Thus, the requirement for innovation. So last week we talked about the, the first part of the equation, which was resourcing. And this week we're going to talk about getting support. I have been spending a lot of time thinking about this, <laughs> right? I mean, I came up, I came up with this, this equation uh, several months ago and have been putting it into practice and looking at it in uh, my own life, in my own business, uh, uh, and making sure that it really works, but honestly, before I um, brought it out to you. And I did this because... I'm doing this like innovation series because I think that a lot of people need a lot of help out there. And it's like my privilege and honor to be able to do that. And so I was trying to, I, I came up with this when I, when I realized how it is that I innovate because I am not gonna lie, incredibly innovative. I do things in the food manufacturing space nobody thought to do uh, until I came along. Um, Nobody knew this was like even an industry you could coach in until me. <laughs> so um, it's really, you know, 
it's, it's really an honor to be out there in front with the blue ocean strategy in front of me. It's an honor to serve my clients who are innovators and it's an honor to work with them on their 20 minute calls every week uh, on how, like, essentially we're always asking the question, how are we going to do this new and different and better this week in our company, whether it's asset planning or sanitation or building a new facility, you know, and that is a, I mean, it's a real honor to be able to do that because, you know, we're so like, for example, we're running a special right now in Food Safety University. So if you sign up now, I will go over your plant design with you, with your, you know, your architects, contractors, builders or whatever as a as a bonus. And so we get like a, a workable plant design. So like the bathrooms aren't opening up onto the production floor, you know. If you could find somebody to do this for you, they would probably charge you tens of thousands of dollars. I know they would charge you tens of thousands of dollars because I know who the people are. <laughs> it's included in the price of your package, right? That's super innovative, right? And I was able to come up with that because I myself have the internal resources to be able to do that. And I have the structures in to provide, to get supported to do that. So that's what we're talking about today. Okay, is the support that you are going to receive. But here's the problem. Most people have no capacity to receive support because we have basically fallen out of the habit of being supported. I was talking to my coach last Friday and I was talking about how I was having an organizer come to my house uh, over the weekend. And there are lots of thoughts going on around that. And she's like, you know, Michelle, if you go back and you read Little Women, they were poor. They were super poor and they had help. Okay. We have this idea in our homes and in our workforce that nobody has any help. We've literally written the word secretary basically out of the English language, right? And we, we just don't have anybody teaching us how to receive support anymore. We all do our own admin work now. I mean, even though I have an admin, I still do a lot of my own administrative work. And there's no cultural conversation about how to receive support, how to pay for support. Uh, and I think that's truly to the detriment of our economy. And so when we talk about receiving support, we talked about resourcing first because you've got to have the capacity inside to receive the support. Because here's the thing, support is only supportive if you provide or are provided, I suppose, what we term helpful help. Okay, so every one of you who has ever had a toddler knows that there is a difference between helpful help and the toddler's version of help. Hey, mommy, I help, right? It's not helpful help when I am, you know, or like with my, with my preteens, when I'm outside and we're shoveling and they're like shoveling the grass, um, that's not helpful help. <laughs> they're helping. They're really trying to help, but it's like not helpful help, but that's on me. <laughs> okay. And so then the question, the, the question becomes, how do we how do we receive helpful help? And I've 
written out a process for us to be able to do that. Okay. And it starts with, um, um, it starts with learning how you think others should be acting and how you should be acting. Okay. I am not going to say we are solving this problem on this podcast. I just want you to bring awareness to the idea that you have ideas about how other people should be, okay? And then the question becomes, is is that working for you, right? Maybe it is working for you and maybe it isn't. You parents of teenagers out there know very well what it's like to have ideas about how other people should be acting and whether that's working for all, any or all of the parties involved, okay? So that's the first thing, okay? Now, this idea about how you should be acting, how others should be acting, in the coaching world, we call these manuals, all right? And we all have these manuals for how other people are supposed to be. I've covered manuals on the podcast before, right? And there's, there's like, uh, there are a couple of questions I want you to ask when you have a manual, okay? When you recognize that you are, as we say, in should or shooting all over your life, um, right? So the first question is to get super honest with yourself about what you are thinking, okay? And the question is, what do you think should be happening? Okay, so I was working with somebody and they were losing their ever-loving mind about hoses on the floor. They had spent an inordinate amount of money on those roll-up hoses that are like at the ceiling, but they still had a couple of places where those hoses couldn't reach or that honestly the pressure was too high. And um, they hadn't quite made the hose gun changes. And so they had other hoses that people use that are like looped on the wall. And you know where this is going, right? All those hoses like ended up on the floor. And (laughs) this plant manager was like super frustrated because hoses on the floor is like the low hanging fruit of food inspection of your daily walk around audit, right? (laughs) It's like, people should not be leaving hoses on the floor, (laughs) right? They should be using the infrastructure that was provided and paid for with like, I mean, those hose reels, I mean, they're like a thousand or $1,200 now. Um, they were probably $800 then. There's a lot of money that they had spent (laughs) and people should be respecting that investment. They shouldn't be doing what they're trained on. Any of this is sounding familiar. You have manuals for the people around you. Whenever you have manuals for the people around you, the truth of the matter is, is you have manuals for your own self. You are telling your own self about how you should also be acting, okay? That you should be a better manager, you should be a better trainer. Um, And a lot of the times that comes down to this, like really, subtle interior thought um, that you should be able to do what you need to do without inconveniencing anybody else. Um, We are culturally conditioned to 
run away from inconveniencing other people. Like we are really, um, we are, we are really, we really get in trouble as children for inconveniencing the adults around us and not doing what the adults think we should do. So we're culturally conditioned not to inconvenience other people around us. When we do that, however, what ends up happening is, is we end up inconveniencing ourselves because we are tie ourselves in pretzels, you know, uh, so that we don't inconvenience others, even when what we say we want is for other people to support us by like following the SOP. Okay. Underlying that thought. Okay. We are all deeply complex individuals. We think 60,000 thoughts a day. Right. And so we have thoughts about our thoughts like all the time. Okay. So underlying that thought around other people shouldn't be inconvenienced is the inner five-year-old that you have that says, I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. I guarantee you, you walk through the plant and you see a hose on the floor or you miss a CCP. There is an in a flash thought, I'm going to get in trouble. And then the question is, is like, what does that actually end up feeling like? You know, because we're all about identifying feelings here. And I think for most people, the feeling is sad. When I did this work on myself, the feeling was sad. Because, you know, when you get in trouble as a little kid, most of the time, it's not because you knew what you were going to do, like, especially as a little child, you, you, you knew what to do and then purposefully did the opposite, right? We talk a lot in our family about kids lacking skills, right? If they knew how to be different, they would be. If your employees knew how to be different, they would be. Now it's different between kids and adults and things like that, but I still believe the underlying truth is, is if, if they knew how to be different, they would be, right? And everybody's pretty much going around in life being worried that they are going to get in trouble. And that makes them really sad. Like the sadness of a five-year-old in trouble that's usually being covered up by fear of the adult yelling at them. Like the, you know, like when we stand over our children and we yell at them in our less than stellar parenting moments, right? Which we all have, um, okay? In that sadness, we all kind of want to collapse on it on ourselves. And my recommendation to you to learn how to receive the support of other people is to just be super aware of that sadness and be okay with being sad. Be okay with being the five-year-old that really messed up, um, not out of not out of malice, but out of not being literally not being physically strong enough for something that an adult is asking you to do. Um, not being um, emotionally capable, not being intellectually capable, uh, you know, all of those things that, you know, as you're developing, you, have, like, you haven't developed yet, right? And so kind of, you know, like when we talk about collapse, it's like holding ourselves in our sadness and just let yourself do that. It's entirely possible to do it at work. You, you know, you just kind of slump in your chair a little bit. And I highly recommend like kind of holding your arms against your like against your torso, you can really do this in a Zoom call and nobody will notice. <laughs> okay. So when you learn that, okay, 
what you become really aware of is your codependencies, right? You are, enti it's entirely possible because I've seen this everywhere uh, in a food manufacturing facility. Y'all are codependent on somebody like leaving the hose on the floor and somebody saying something and then uh, there being a, you know, on the spot correction, like all of these punitive actions allow people to stand like in the roles that they are customarily assigned. Okay. And if you're interested in like codependency work, there's a ton of stuff out there. I have talked about Cartman drama triangles a lot. Um, and you know, FSU listeners, we can talk about this on our 20 minute calls, but these codependencies at work essentially are these energetic contracts between people that will all act the way we absolutely know we're going to act. So nobody has to change. It's always more comfortable to not change than to change, <laughs> right? So that's why codependency inhibits us from innovation because innovation is sort of by definition change, <laughs> right? And people, human beings don't like change. That's why we're developing this recipe for innovation that starts with resourcing because when you're resourced yourself, you're comfortable with change um, or developing the capacity to be comfortable with change. And when you're getting support, you're literally developing that capacity because you're going to fail at doing this at first and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you got to teach people how to support you. Okay. So then in a work context, what that means really is, is you've got to get your job descriptions written. Okay. And you not only have to talk about, like, we have a very specific job descriptions process that we do in Food Safety University, and it really starts with what results do I want this, do I want this job to create? Um, and you've got to, you've got to, like, write out those job descriptions and then, like, add in all the SOPs that that job is expected to know, then you train to those SOPs, uh, and that creates not manuals for how people are going to are, are, are supposed to act, but boundaries and expectations, clearly communicated expectations. Like that's really the difference, right? There's probably clearly communicated expectations around hoses on the floor, but I want to ask you, is it written into the job description where those, like who gets trained on that SOP? Uh, is it written into your employee manuals that people have to follow the SOPs? Okay. That's kind of the level of communication we are really, really talking about, right? Once you have done all of that work, which is massive amounts of internal work, then you are going to decide on the platforms, the people, and the institutional work that is right for you to be supported. Maybe what you need is better marketing support. And there's a whole set of people and software um, and decisions that goes with that. So that's kind of what I mean by, by platforms. So like computer platforms and systems, partnerships is like which companies or which people and institutional work is what decisions are you gonna make, <laughs> right? That goes along with that. And so when you, are able to do all of those components, then you're gonna find out 
how well you are able to be supported. Okay. When you know that, you're going to try and fail. Okay. I have been through a comical number of VAs in the past, not quite year and a half. Like seriously, they last six to eight weeks. <laughs> right. And if I'm in a place where I'm going to take 100% responsibility for that. Then I'm going to take 100% responsibility for that. I wasn't the leader that they needed. I could not receive the support that they were giving me. Or when I was interviewing them, I was afraid of disappointing other people, um, of inconveniencing somebody by saying, no, I don't want you in an interview. Like if I decide that's all on me, then I have a lot more control over those results and that feels a lot better. And that increases my capacity for support the next time, right? So learning how to receive support is a process of, of trying and failing, <laughs> learning from it and then going and getting better and doing better next time. And that's where we are here at Durgo Food Safety is we are learning that process. It's going amazing. We are systematizing so many things and it is so much easier, <laughs> right? So when something screws up, I like, now I just box my VA and say, hey, could you please fix that? And it's like fixed in like 20 minutes, right? How many of y'all can say that? Probably not that many, but let me tell you, that has been a serious amount of work over the past 14, 15 months of me learning how to use a VA, right? That's resourcing myself, getting helpful help and time, which is, of course, what we're going to be talking about next week. Alrighty, so uh, I hope you took a lot of notes. Uh, bring your questions to your 20-minute calls. FSU members, this is what this is all the stuff that we talk about, um, among other things, on our 20-minute calls. And if you are interested in getting one of the remaining slots for Food Safety University this uh, year, because I'm only selling 40 slots, and they um, and I don't even have 40 slots left by the time this comes out, I will. I, I only have 38 as I'm recording this. I will probably have 36. So, okay. So get in there uh, because I'm not saying yes to everybody this year. <laughs> Go to foodsafetyuniversity.com, book a call. Jared will talk to you and I will see you on the inside. Bye guys. Have a week full of awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Food Safety University podcast. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I want you to go to dergofoodsafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.